this morning, I want to start our conversation coming out of God's word with some silence, with some space. So rather than me praying for our conversation, I'm going to invite you to pray for this conversation that we're about to have. And so I'm going to give you a couple points, a couple questions. Those will be on the screen. There they are. And I'm going to invite you to make these points, these questions your own over these next several moments as we get ready to look at God's word together. Won't you pray these? Let's pray. We ask all of these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. This morning as we continue in this series coming to us out of the book of Acts, we are in Acts chapter 8, and and there is, is something pretty dramatic that is happening in this chapter. The gospel, this reality of how God has loved you through Christ through the life and the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus, the the, the gospel, this good news is expanding dramatically outward. Because of the hostility against the early church, and we've seen that hostility now over the last two weeks. So two weeks ago, we were in Acts chapter 4. Last week, we were in Acts chapter 7. So because of this hostility against the early church, this, this message about Jesus begins to spread outward from Jerusalem as these early Christians are pushed into the surrounding regions in Judea and then into Samaria. And now the gospel is about to launch worldwide with the introduction of this Ethiopian official that we are about to meet here in Acts chapter 8. And the thing about Ethiopia is that, is that back when, when the events in the book of Acts were happening, that Ethiopia was so far away from Jerusalem that it was literally considered the ends of the earth. So it's here in Acts chapter 8 that we see the expansion of the good news of Jesus lining up exactly how Jesus indicated in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, where Jesus says to his followers, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so really all of these places, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, all of these places come into into play in Acts chapter 8. And so as the gospel expands... As this good news puts down roots in Samaria, one of those involved in that gospel expansion there, Philip, 
He's called away and directed from where the action is to go out really in the middle of nowhere, out into the desert. And that's where we're going to pick up our story this morning in Acts chapter 8. So this morning reading for us is going to be Rob Sprouse. And as, as he reads, and as you read along, I want you to, to look to the answers for, or look for the answers to a couple of different questions for me, because we're going to use these answers to help us get a handle for what we're about to see in Acts chapter eight. The questions are this: In our story, what does God do? What does the Ethiopian official do? And what does Philip do? So you got your questions? Is that a yes? Okay. Rob, let's read. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Kendag, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, Go over and walk along beside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, Do you understand what you're reading? The man replied, How can I, unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? You can, Philip answered, if you believe with all your heart. And the eunuch replied, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He ordered the carriage to stop. They went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Meanwhile, Philip found himself further north at the town of Azotus. He preached the good news there and at every town along the way until he came to Caesarea. Thank you, Rob. Just a real quick footnote, as you were reading along in your own Bible, verse 37 may or may not have been there. And that's because there is actually debate amongst Bible scholars about the inclusion of that verse. But it's important for us to note that even if you lose verse 37, you don't lose anything theologically that's not elsewhere in this chapter or in the book of Acts. So if we, if we tackle that first question that I gave you, in this story, what does God do? If I can have that question, there it is. Help me out with this. What did you see? I heard something over here. Yeah, so, so, so God is the one who actually saves this eunuch. What else? Uh, 
All right, so I think I heard, told him to go south, and then something about Philip over here. Prompted, right? So, so what if we take all of that and we say, we, we summarize that by, and say it this way, that God directs. And I think that there is a danger in this, this passage for us here in that we can be tempted to let ourselves off of the hook to create some distance between what we see here and the way that God moves because it seems like God is directing Philip in, in some really some pretty spectacular ways to share his faith. It almost feels like, like, like God and Philip have each other on speed dial and I know in my own life that I don't usually have that kind of clarity when God is directing me. But the point that, that I need us to see here is that you and I already have God's clear direction when it comes to sharing our faith. While Philip gets some specific guidance around the who, the what that Philip is up to, sharing the good news of Jesus, comes from the direction that God has already given to believers, given to Philip, given to you, given to I, which comes out of Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that we already looked at this morning. God is speaking to Philip. He's directing Philip to share Jesus. God is also directing you and I to share Jesus as well. If we jump on to our second question, what does the Ethiopian official do? What did you see? Help me out. He's reading God's word. And he's asking some really good questions. Right? Bottom line is what I'm trying to get at when it comes to what this Ethiopian official is up to. This guy is searching for truth and he's asking some, some really good big life questions. See, the thing that we have to see about this Ethiopian is that it's more than likely that he is, as he returns home, he is leaving Jerusalem and he's frustrated. He's most likely intrigued by Judaism. He wants to know more about this Jewish God, but due to his status as a foreigner and due to his status as a eunuch, let me try to figure out a PG way to explain this, right? He's been been emasculated to ensure that he doesn't try any funny business around the queen, those things would have prevented him from, from full access to the Jewish temple as, as the center of Jewish worship. So this eunuch wants to know more about God, but according to the Jewish rules, he is, he is more than likely an excluded outsider, and this is his bad news. So if we just hit pause on our conversation right now and zoom out of our story, you have to know that this is the thing that is happening in the book of Acts. Yes, the good news is advancing in geographic terms from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth, but there's even more that is going on here. In Acts chapter 8, what we're looking at this morning, the gospel is advancing across racial and ethnic and religious and sociological and economic dividing lines. This guy is an African, he's he's non-Jewish, he's rich, he's connected, he is a government official, he is very different from this ragtag group of Jesus followers that you and I met in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. 
The gospel right here in this story is pushing past all sorts of divisions, and we'll have more on that next week. But for for this week, I need you to simply see the fact that the gospel is expanding here through all kinds of things that usually divide people. So if we hit pause to unpause, zoom back into our story This eunuch is most likely an excluded outsider, and at the very least, we know that he still has questions. He is still searching for the truth when he runs into Philip in the middle of nowhere. This Ethiopian is searching for truth. This Ethiopian is asking some really good questions. For our our third question, what is Philip up to? What does Philip do? Help me out with this one. So Philip teaches. What else? What's that? He's obedient. Give me one more. He baptizes. Right? So what if we take all of that and distill that down to, say it this way, Philip makes himself available. Because I think for you and I, there is another danger for us here in this passage. I think that we are tempted to see Philip as some kind of superhero when it comes to sharing Jesus. But do you know how Philip comes onto the scene in the book of Acts? It's in Acts chapter 6. He does not show up as a charismatic, dynamic speaker. He does not show up as a Bible scholar with all the answers. Yeah, he's in scripture, that shows up in this passage, but isn't a theologian. He does not show up as, as, a, as a professional Christian in the leadership of the early church. You know how he shows up? He's recognized as somebody who is in an, an active relationship with Jesus, has shown a little bit of wisdom, and gets tagged to work behind the scenes distributing food to the poor. Philip is just an ordinary dude, just like you and I, but, but he has made himself available to God and to others. And so, so God directs Philip away from the exciting ministry that is happening in Samaria, and Philip responds. God directs Philip to this Ethiopian, and Philip responds. Philip is attentive to, to what this Ethiopian is up to, helps him connect the dots to see Jesus, and then God directs Philip away, and Philip once again it makes himself available in that new location. And so it's here in Philip's availability. That's where I want us to camp out for for the rest of our time this morning. We can say it this way, that Philip makes himself available to, to both God and to the people that God directs him to. And because Philip has made himself available for for the very first time in the book of Acts, we get this opportunity to see what it looks like for one person to place their trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins. See, prior to this in the book of Acts, we've got these masses of people who have, have put their trust in Jesus. These people who have in large number have, have recognized and have owned their sin in large number, have realized that sin separates them from the sinless, holy God. 
have recognized that God shows his love for, for mankind by offering Jesus to be the sacrifice for our sin. Who have in large numbers trusted in Christ for the forgiveness, the washing away of that sin. But, but here in Acts, we get for the very first time how, how Philip shares one-on-one with this Ethiopian official. And because Philip has made himself available... Because, because Philip is going slow and is attentive to the questions that this guy is asking. Because Philip is going slow and can zero in on the frustrations of this guy, Philip can apply the good news of Jesus to this Ethiopian official's bad news. To this guy's, listen, I don't get it. Because Philip is available and attentive to what is going on here, Philip is able to show how the good news of Jesus really is good news. Last year we did a, a series on sharing Jesus, and, and I used the book Get Real as a primary resource for that series. It's written by a guy named John Leonard, and actually, it's probably the best resource that I know when it comes to to sharing our faith just in a real simple conversational sort of way. And this is a quote that I'm about to read that I actually used last year, but I want to bring it back because it is exactly what Philip is up to here in Acts chapter 8. The author, John Leonard, writes this, how do you share your faith? By using every circumstance and question in a person's life as a window into what it means to follow Christ. What if you shape the gospel by by listening deeply to what the person is saying to you, then take what they've told you and wrap it up in a response that was made precisely for them. It's what Jesus does in the gospels. It's what Philip is doing here in Acts 8. The easy part is that you don't have to speak until you clearly see how the gospel applies to that person's needs. With the real approach to presenting the gospel, you you want to listen as much as possible because the other person is giving you clues as to how you should share the gospel. You need to keep listening until you know what the real issue is. Body language, gestures, and expression may be giving you clues to the real issue boiling just below the surface. In traditional evangelism, it's believed that we should keep talking until the light comes on in the listener's head. But what if we turn the tables? If it isn't clear how you are to respond, keep asking questions until the light comes on in your head and you see how you should frame the message of Jesus. We must listen more than we speak so that we might fully understand the person that God has brought into our lives. As they speak about the immediate problems they're facing and the questions they have, we should be listening and praying, asking our Lord to help us gather everything we've heard, read, or understand from the scriptures, just like Philip did, to respond to their problems or questions. Listen, listen again, pray as you listen, and speak only when the person invites you to do so In doing so, you're also telling the other person that we care deeply about them. Because the gospel speaks to every area of life, it can address every person's particular situation. 
Can you see that the wisdom in this quote, this is exactly Philip's MO here in Acts chapter 8. Philip makes himself available to God's leading, and this official, this guy's life is changed. But to go even farther, this, this message about Jesus through this interaction, it's here that this good news jumps from Palestine really begins to expand out into the world. Why does that happen? Because Philip has made himself available. Here at Mannheim BIC, we are are talking about what this might look like for us. For for you and I to to be more available to the, the needs and the questions and the bad news around us. And in one of those conversations, Kelly Funk, who with her husband, Kurt, lead our fifth and sixth graders, was sharing, and and her passion for for sharing Christ came out in spades. And so this morning, I've asked Kelly to come and share for us for a few minutes and to answer these two questions. Why is sharing the good news of Jesus important to you? And what practical ways are you making yourself available to share the good news of Jesus to those around you? Kelly. Thank you. Well, Brian um, shared earlier that it's simply a call for all of us to share about Jesus with others. Um, But we can read that in scriptures and hear the pastor say it, but it's different when it becomes real in your own life. Um, and a couple years ago, uh, I prayed a prayer, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. And he broke my heart for people who don't know Jesus. And I thought about, what if nobody had ever shown me Jesus? What if nobody had ever shown me Jesus Christ, who is my best friend and my savior and the love of my life? I can't imagine doing life without him. So after praying that prayer, um, God has changed some things in our lives. And um, as I look back, preparing for this morning over journals and such, I kind of noticed a little pattern that I'm going to share with you. It all first started with prayer, Um, developing a new habit of praying for the Holy Spirit to actually speak to me. Because you're not going to hear him if you're not seeking him. But he says, if you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. And so I started to seek uh, more intentionally. And secondly, we um, started to surrender things. We specifically took time to pray over different things in our lives, our home, our jobs, our schedules, and ask God um, to do what he wanted with them. First uh, Chronicles 29.14 says, Everything we have has come from you, and we give you only what you have already given us. We are here for only a moment. Our days on earth are like a shadow, gone so soon without a trace. That became evident in how quickly our kids were growing up. And I'm wondering, where is the time going? (laughs) And how am I using my time? So the surrender of our time and our actual calendar was maybe the the biggest thing. It led to cutting out a lot of stuff. Um, It meant removing distractions. Uh, Sometimes that was social media, taking it off my phone or quitting it entirely or watching less TV and reading my Bible instead. Um, 
At one point, it meant we had to step away from a small group with really close friends that we enjoyed because God was saying, they know me, and you need to make time for people who don't. After that surrender, it was just a new posture of living ready and open to do whatever the Spirit prompted us to do. Um, This has probably most evidently taken shape in our home, Um, adopting an open-door policy just where anybody's welcome at any time um, to come and hang out and talk or share a meal or laugh, play a game, whatever it is. Um, God's brought interesting people through our door, and I don't know if we wouldn't have adopted that posture if if that would have happened if I wouldn't have some of the friends I have today. Um, That's looked at times like an old friend moving in when he came back from living overseas in the military and he needed somewhere to stay. Um, it's sometimes is Kurt calling me a few hours before dinner and saying, I invited someone over. And I say, okay. And I <laughs> scramble around to make sure I have enough food and pray that they will feel loved and that they don't have any food allergies that I don't know about. So it always works out. Um, it always leaves me feeling more blessed and full than I ever felt before. Um, And I have to thank people who have shown me Jesus. You know, I've learned this because there are people in this church and people who I maybe not will never see again that have have shown me Jesus by inviting me into their life and by listening well when I was a young adult to all all my craziness and um, sharing meals with me or praying with me. And I want to I want to do the same now. You know, I want to return return on that gift. There's a quote in my house that says, "You love." as well as you are willing to be inconvenienced. Anne Voskamp says that. Um, It is definitely inconvenient. Um, It's orienting your life no longer around yourself, but around Christ, um, which is easier said than done. Um, But these three things, the prayer and the surrender and living ready and open, um, they all happen together, and it's happening all the time still. It's not a once-and-done sort of thing. Um, so it hasn't, like I said, it hasn't been very easy or very comfortable, but, um, there's a deeper sense of purpose in our lives now, and sometimes glimpses into miracles that he is working around us that I'm afraid I probably wouldn't, um, have even noticed before because I was too busy, um, but I'm so grateful he's opened my eyes and that he invites us to be a part of, um, what he's doing, and, it's a gift, really, to be invited in um, to Holy Spirit work. And, and he ultimately is the best gift uh, that we cannot afford to keep to ourselves. Thank you, Kelly. So Kurt and Kelly making themselves available to what God wants. Available to God's directing, available to those around them in need. Philip making himself available to what God wants here in Acts chapter 8. Available to God's directing, available to what this Ethiopian official needs. Where are you at in this? How about you? How has God placed you in the situations in your life, it's not by accident, to share the good news of Jesus, 
to help the people around you to see how the bad news in their lives and everyone around you has bad news in their lives. To see how that bad news will only ever ultimately be satisfied through the good news of Jesus Christ. And so this morning, I'm going to have us end the same way that we began. We're going to go quiet, and I invite you to take these two questions to God. Am I available? So many things get in the way of our availability. Our busy schedules, our fear, our desire for not wanting to be inconvenienced, our desire for, for not wanting to, to, to get involved in the messiness of others. Are you available to listen deeply to those in need around you and to help that person see how Jesus breathes hope in, in that situation? And the second question, God, who are you calling me to? Who around you is stuck? Who around you is struggling? And the big hint is that lots of times it's the people who look like they are not struggling. This Ethiopian official riding in a chariot, it's the same as as someone being hauled around in the back of a limousine. Looks like he has it all together, but he's asking these big life questions. Who around you is asking those same kind of big life questions? This might be somebody that you know today. This might be somebody that you don't know yet. Someone you meet in school, meet at your job, meet in the grocery store, but will you make yourself available to to God and to the person and people that he might be directing you towards? So I invite you to take these questions to God in honesty over these next couple of moments of silence. Let's pray.